Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. It's your boy, Ben. And I'm Jamie. It's your boy, Ben. That's only made me missing me a bit, so I was like, you know. Yeah, people, people have been missing you. The, the DMs and the Twitter account just been like, where's Ben? We demand Ben. Yeah, yeah. need more Ben. Yeah. Where's the bad audio, damn it? When when Ben's not around, all of the other co-hosts should be asking, <laughs> where's Ben? Yeah. <laughs> very, very YouTube vibe there to that introduction, though. It's your boy Tarantula Dick. Yeah, that was exactly it. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I, I, I haven't got a YouTuber intro yet, and I've done like 26 YouTube videos, and I still haven't got an intro. Right. And I still haven't made a good video, to be fair. But still, that seems that seems like a separate issue. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't think we can keep that. <laughs> YouTube intro Highlander. <laughs> the implication there is not good. Um, any, anyway, uh, there will be a bit of that cut out, so you won't understand it at home. But um, That's very, very much the vibe this evening. What this podcast needs is a very stern lady to stand behind us all and keep us on track. Yeah. Oh, we're back to that now. It's it's a shame that conversation which we'll be having in the future, technically, from this, um, (laughs) hasn't happened yet. So I don't know what you mean. This is like a fucking episode of Lost. I'm confused already. Yeah, I'm already confused. (laughs) Right. Okay. I'm just gonna power through this. Um, We're just gonna we're just gonna power through. Okay. Last time we were talking about the football because we were really depressed about the Istanbul pogrom. Which I don't think is an unreasonable feeling to have no. about it. No. Not particularly unreasonable. So, uh, we, did, we talked about the football, which Ben and Jamie, they're not football people. They're not football yeah. people. But it was still fun to learn about, you know, Jack White Dick, the former Garth Sorry manager. <laughs> A lot of Scottish involvement in that team. It's made yeah. me rethink my support of them, frankly. <laughs> I apologise on behalf of my people. <laughs> to be fair, they appear to have been good managers, so... Anyway. We're also good, good managers of the British Empire, that's all I'm saying. That is true, yeah. Um, we have to get back to, like, history, actual history, not football. Which uh, means that we're in late 90, 1950s Turkey. Welcome. That sounded a bit British Paffer there. <laughs> Welcome to Turkey. That new country that everyone loves. <laughs> Ignore that bit over there. <laughs> Anyway, we still haven't decided whether they're white or not. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I feel like that alone is going to cause a fucking problem for us. Um, Anyway, I'm allowed to say it. Anyway, Anyway, things are not going well. And the country has entered into what some might call an economic malaise. Now, we were talking about this in me and Jamie in one of the me and Jamie episodes where Turkey, because it doesn't have like industrial sort of domestic industrial capacity as much as it needs to sort of fulfill all the consumer good needs, has to import stuff. And the thing with importing stuff is that if your currency is the lira, the Turkish lira, the chances are that things are not going to go well. Hmm. But despite the fact that there was some economic trouble, uh, you'll be pleased to know in the 1957 Turkish general election, the Democrat Party, who I will remind you, confiscated the furniture of the main opposition party. <laughs> Jesus. They, they won the election, but this time they did not win a majority. 
So uh, they didn't win. No, sorry, they didn't win a majority of the votes. They did win a majority of the seats because of the system. So they're, they're no longer getting a majority of the votes in the country, but you can see here that a certain uh, very, very long-serving political leader may have finally turned things around for their party. Well, would you look at that? Ah, you see, you all wrote him off, and here he is. Now, admittedly, he didn't win against the government that had effectively ruined everyone's lives by doing liberalism. Well, economic liberalism. They didn't do much of the other kind, which is going to become part of the problem. So you might be wondering, well, why the fuck did Adnan Menderes lose so many votes? What the hell, what's going on? So one part of it is, yes, uh, the economy is very sick, and there have been a lot of candle purchases made at Democrat Party HQ because of power cuts. Oh, so boy. not not literally. That is that is me just like merging the drill tweet. Into... Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some. I mean, the whole country wasn't electrified by this point. That's kind of a later thing, anyway. But the thing is that when you're importing a lot of stuff, like the UK, and uh, like a certain Liz Truss, who was Prime Minister not very long ago, even though it feels like a fucking eternity. Yeah, for about 20 minutes. Aye. Yeah, for, for the, short, the shortest serving in history, I think it was, which mm. you can probably hear the smile as I remember that. It was seven, it was six and a half weeks. She has it to was... turn up to every official event now with that hanging around her neck like a fucking millstone. It's going to be great. I just, I just wouldn't fucking show up. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't show up. But like, there's no way you could pay me enough to show up. Uh, but the thing is, apparently, at the end of her, when she was like resigning and all her staff were really sad, she was like, I wouldn't worry about it. At least I got to be prime minister. <laughs> According to that book about her, and I'm like, I need to, I may need to buy the book just to see if that quote is 100% accurate because that sums her up so much. Just steal the book. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's popular enough to steal. <laughs> yeah, you probably have a hard time finding it. That is, that is part of the issue. So, on to another person who got to be prime minister, Adnan Menderes. So. Adnan Menderes made a lot of pretty big promises in the 1950 election and in subsequent elections, which was that he sort of looked at the Turkish press and he said, look, you all have to operate under quite restrictive censorship. What I'm going to do as a centre-right liberal is I'm going to liberalise the press and have much more freedom of speech. Hmm. Would you believe he didn't do that? I am shocked and appalled. Yeah. Yeah, and now the thing is, yes, the Turkish press was under a lot of censorship, as it often is, but the press still fucking bitched and moaned about it, and published their general dissatisfaction with Adnan Menderes. So Adnan Menderes is, uh, it, his grip is loosening, and you can see that in this result, right? Like, yeah. he lost 9.8% of the vote. So you can see that there's already a loosening of his grip, you know, the JHP went up 6.2. Uh, the, the fascist, well, the far right, the party that will become the fascist party, they actually gained votes but lost seats, which is very Lib Dem of them. Mm. And there's a new party in town. There are two new parties in town, but there's one that actually got seats, called one which is Hurriyet Partisi, or the Liberty Party. And this was formed from a split in the Democrat Party. And they split because Democrat Party never actually bothered to do freedom of the press. Ah, so they're actual liberal liberals. Yeah, like these are, these are more liberal than the liberals. There was a bill in Parliament, basically, to expand freedom of the press. 
Uh, 11 MPs proposed a law to expand freedom of the press. And the party, Democrat Party, were like, yeah, that's really interesting, but also we just did a pogrom, so no. We would not like that accurately reported on at all by anyone under any circumstances. So they expelled the MPs who were involved in that. And if this sounds familiar, if this sounds like what the Jeheper had to go through when the Democrat Party was formed, that's because it's exactly the same thing, this time happening to the centre-right. Huh. Yeah, it's weird how this keeps happening. And this is not really a very important party. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the people who sort of sympathised with this party or were members of the party, it dissolves itself eventually in 1958. A lot of them just joined the Jehepe in the end. So all of that strife and political journey, what was it for? Nothing, really. Incredible. It, they only won four MPs, and all of them were from a single province. And you can tell that's the case, because here is the map by province of the election result. And uh, you can tell which one it is uh, as soon as it loads. Oh, yeah. Yeah you, yeah, you can see which one it is. Now, that province, if I'm recalling correct, my geography was Bordeaux, which is very weird, because... I would never have associated that with a sort of a, a, a liberal, liberal party, but times were different, I guess. Now, there is another party that I want to mention, and you might say, well, why am I talking about a party with 463 votes in an election, in a national election? Which, by the way, might make it more, more embarrassing than basically every single Trotskyist party that contested an election in the UK. <laughs> Which is impressive. Now, this party is called now, if you're Turkish, you might have a little thing off in your head where you're like, wait a minute, isn't that a party now? And it is, but it's a different party. So this is a party that was founded by members of the Communist Party of Turkey. And Whoa. they, well, officially speaking, were a Marxist-Leninist party. Ooh. Now, this is, this is interesting for a lot of reasons. One of them is that this is a country that joined NATO and it now has, like, an electoral communist party. But, but Vatan means, like, homeland, right? So this is very much, like, playing into a general atmosphere of, uh, of, that develops in Turkey, which is that every single bit of the political spectrum has to be nationalist, which is, which is a fucking pain in the ass, as you might yeah. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So it was closed by the courts uh, because, and this is an official verdict from the Istanbul criminal judge, on the grounds that it worked with the communist method and was administered by communist persons. So it was literally illegal to be an organized communist in the country. The, uh, the criminal judge sounds like a really low effort Batman villain. <laughs> That's like, um, there's like a Batman thing called The Killing Joke, and it sounds yeah. like that kind of thing, where like <laughs> Batman becomes Judge Dredd somehow. Yes, yeah, so just one bad day and you become Judge Dredd, we've all been That's there. That's it, yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Them's your, them's your, that's your election news. So what is going on? So the thing is that there's a lot of tension, as there often is in Turkey, right? Economy being bad press being censored, a military that, you've got to remember, a lot of people are like, ooh, the 1960 coup, that was the first time the Turkish military involved itself in politics. And I'm like, that's a nice idea, but also the country was literally founded by military officers. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like I'm not quite sure of why people. I guess it's because like English language sources don't know that bit or don't care to know that bit. And remember, we did the bonus episode about the Turinism racism trials. Yes, yeah. which it's was all, all... <laughs> an attempted military coup in essence. About and again, re- really, that there's a bonus episode about it. But if you want the summary of it, uh, basically, trying to overthrow the government is illegal. But racism is legal. So um, Elon Musk currently celebrating that verdict. Oh, Jesus. Um, Anyway. Uh, (laughs) Excited. (laughs) I thought I got the pod account banned on Twitter because I was on stream and I saw Elon Musk had tweeted that like, oh, it's really good that this website is upsetting the extreme right and the extreme left. And we're here to make the 80% in the center happy. And I posted that warrants tweet of like centrist shits in pants. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I thought I posted it from the pod account and not uh, not my account and I was like oh god if I've got our pod account nuked and it wasn't Jamie who did it incredible <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, like a real fucking twat after that there's a lot of tension right in Turkey as there often is yeah, and very very and, relaxed country I found yeah yes um, <laughs> famously produces the most relaxed people who are capable of understanding the concept of a comedy podcast. <laughs> I, I've, lo- I've long understood that... Pe- I, I've, I've always said this about Turkish people. 80% of them understand what a comedy podcast is. <laughs> the 80% uh, in the centre, yeah? Yeah, that's it. Um, there was actually a really, really funny uh, thing my dad told me. I've kind of forgotten the specific bit of it, which was someone was asked about like why Turkey was in the state it was in, or it was something about an election. And this guy was, like, from one of the parties that lost, and he said, I can answer why the election happened the way it was. 50% of Turkish people are stupid. He didn't say stupid, <laughs> he said another word, by the way. He said another word, but I'm cleaning oh, it up. Oh, boy. People were understandably outraged. So they got him back on the show, where he sort of made out to the showrunners, like, to the producers, like, I'm going to apologise, I'm going to clarify my comments. Came on, he said, yes, I would like to clarify my comments. Having observed the reaction to my original statement, I've actually changed my mind. 60% of Turkish people are stupid. <laughs> King! Like, th- by the way, this is how you should handle the press. Yeah. That's, that's like, the same energy as the guy that was on the news one time. He was like, too good for this country or something like that when uh, Ed Miliband lost or something like that. If only uh, he knew. If yeah, only if, he only, knew. if only he knew. I Did you see that, um, that Spanish... Sports presenter. Oh yes, yes. I did not. What? That what's was this? So fucking good. Oh, he was just going full communist. He was like, yeah, just absolutely lost his rag because like the guy he was speaking to, I don't know who's interviewing the guy or what, but there was a guy who kept like fucking talking about communist in a, in a negative light, and this and he was like, 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 I am a communist, motherfucker. Yeah, the bloke just went <laughs> fucking off on one, and then like he was he was shouting, he did this whole speech about like communism. And he's going like, viva fucking Lenin and all this. And so the, uh, guy, yeah. the guy Based. goes, oh, and what about Putin? And he was like, viva Putin as well, because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I have a link to that, please? That sounds fucking dope. Uh, I want to have a look man. at that later. Jesus. That's like me when I'm on the drink. Jesus. <laughs> we, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever hung out in person with Ben when they're on the drink, so... Mm. <laughs> Maybe for the best. <laughs> Maybe for the best. I don't think you've hung out with me when I've like properly gone for it as well. So, oh, no. anyway, uh, anyway, I'm not going to reference any of the times where I've done that with people I've met from online. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because because I one because me returning to my hotel at four twenty in the morning. Blizzard. 
Yeah, I may well have done that. Actually, I probably did. Um, to be honest, I don't remember. All I know is that I, uh, I that there were refreshments and I partook in them. Clearly, they were probably yeah. they were quite expensive because we were in Bristol. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at my bank statement the morning after. I oh, like, I, almost, I almost fucking cried. I ca- this is this is when I came back to my hotel room. Wrote one line for a video, then passed out on my bed because I tried to keep writing a video when I came back steaming drunk, and I kept the, the line made it into the video. So technically, that was a business trip. <laughs> yes, tax rate off. That's right. Um, also, I did actually. I was ostensibly there for work purposes, so I did get to to write it off, which is good. That's a huge tax write off for me because it turns out coaches and hotel rooms cost a lot of money. Fuck it. Yeah, it was it was good. So, <laughs> trying to figure where we were. Where are we? So, think things are going to start spiraling out of control, and you'll you'll see this with with Turkey generally, which is that military coups are usually preceded by civil strife or just political dysfunction that spills out into civil strife. And the Democrat Party, they pulled one of the most incredible moves a political party has ever pulled. So, you two, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know what a judge is? Like, do you know what a judge is, what a judge does, you know, like, conceptually? Yeah, they, they, they um, put you in they the ISO cubes. Yeah, I was going to say, they ride a really wide motorcycle and shoot perps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Um, <laughs> my, mista- my mistake for talking about Judge Dredd earlier... <laughs> I feel confident saying you'd have gotten that answer anyway. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, they're the first line of defence of the social order in a dystopian future. Yeah. Yes. And so, now, I want you to imagine a situation where we have a political party that's losing its grip on power. you got to bear in mind, the Istanbul pogrom went over quite poorly, all things considered, given the media barrage trying to sort of justify it. It went over quite poorly, and so the the um, the Democrat Party basically think they're going to lose power. They're constantly paranoid that they're going to lose power, and that if they lose power, logically the Republican People's Party is going to come back, and they're just going to reinstitute a harder regime to stop mm. themselves from losing elections ever again. So, what is what do you think you do in that situation? What do you do if you think that one there's a if you notice that one there's a lot of civil strife civil strife two that you notice a lot of it is about your policies directly and three that the opposition is is allowed to win elections what do you do what's your go to move I, I would I would form some sort of committee or oligarchy that was concerned with maintaining social order in the face of this civil strife. Mm. Tell Robert Peston that you're prepared to GPS tag immigrants. Yes. Okay, so, well, first of all, (laughs) fucking hell, I fucking, I lost my shit at Keith this week twice. But, (laughs) but, but actually, Ben, you pretty much got it right. (laughs) So Adnan Menderes held a vote in Parliament to establish something called the Committee of Inquest. Oh, boy. Now... What had happened was there was civil strife. Now, there wasn't any massive, um, you know, like massive civil disobedience as such. 
so th so this law is proposed uh just before what is probably the first big act of civil disobedience that isn't like you know an attempted military coup and it happens right before and the democrat party basically have been pumping the you know pumping the gas for it you know they've been prepping for it right mm. they've been getting ready and yeah priming the pump i think is what i was trying to say they've been priming the pump for it where they've had mps and people in the press saying I don't know, it sure seems like the Republican People's Party's instigating a lot of the social unrest. I don't it looks weird, it's suspicious. And we're just asking questions. Yeah. You know. Is Isma Inonu gonna do a military coup? I mean, he is an army man, we don't know. And and you know, they're just they're throwing out stuff like that, right? And so they decide to form something called the Committee of Inquest in Parliament. And the Committee of Inquest is a fucking bizarre. It's it's a bizarre structure. It's it's. I was I was reading about it, and I'm like, I am deeply confused <laughs> by what the fuck it is. Right. So is this the the sort of the the prelude to a sort of judicial coup? Is it? No, it's a military coup that happens. But this is kind of this is this is really 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 strange. So basically, the idea behind the the committee of inquest is that it emp empowers MPs. To in to do inquiries about the opposition party in the press, with oh. the authority of judges. Yeah. Huh. Christ. Is it yeah. ISO cubes time? Yep. <laughs> to be fair, some weeks it must be nice to be in an ISO cube, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I could do a one. <laughs> yeah, yes. Just, if anyone, if anyone of the listeners have an ISO cube, hit us up. So there is like a little <laughs> bit of background to this. So. I, people who are British or Anglo, well, I guess Americans would understand this because it's it's nonstop there. Turkish political leaders they they go around a lot and meet with people a lot. It's normal. Like, do do you understand uh, British people? Jeremy Corbyn would be normal in other countries. The way he <laughs> he yeah. was normal, right? <laughs> like, like actually normal. Yeah. Like actually normal, not like normal, I'm normal. Like the way he conducted his politics is not abnormal in any other country except this one. Yeah. <laughs> I just want I just want people to be aware of that. And I'm not talking about policies or whatever. I'm talking about the manner in which he saw how to do politics. And Isma Inonu as leader of the Republican People's Party goes around the country and meets with people. Now government, uh, the Democrat Party tried to ban Republican People's Party activities in specific uh, districts and specific places. But, the, but Isma Inonu decides to go visit um, Topkapı, I think it was, which is a district of Istanbul. And he is actually protested and attacked by Democrat Party supporters. Fuck. Which did is... It, did any of them, like, hit him with an egg? Um... To the no, celebration as as, of the of the press or anything like that. Uh, no, but the, the to be fair, the press were um, the press actually switched support because the general so like the press interest at the time was in the Democrat Party's promise of lo less censorship and more freedom of speech. Oh, of course, yeah. And the fact that they were marshalling their political supporters to go attack the leader of the opposition, who let's not forget is canonized as a hero in the sort of national mythology and stuff like that even at this point right he, he is he is someone who you, he's, it's kind of like you have to respect him even if you don't even if you don't agree with him uh, mm. which 
I, I'm not sure that you do have to respect him, even if you nah. agree with him. Nah, but, nah. but you, but, but like generally for the middle 80%, as Elon Musk would put it, yeah. um, that's what's going on, right? And the press actually flipped who mostly supported the Democrat Party because the press is always owned by rich people. Of course. And, uh, they actually flipped to supporting the Jehapair because they were like, well, no, we were promised like something resembling a democracy. The, the sort of partisans of a political party attacking the leader of the other one, physically confronting and attacking, is not in line with what we expected. Mm. Now, there's an interesting build-up to this, right? So, Isma Inanu is attacked. This is in 1959 when he's attacked. In 1960, he is traveling to Kayseri, um, which is a meme place in itself for at least one listener. <laughs> whose family are from there. Uh, but um, but he's, it's part of his election campaign. He's visiting this major town in the, in the interior of Anatolia. But his train is stopped by authorities because he, the, the government is now claiming that the Republican People's Party is preparing to do a rebellion. Yeah. And people were furious at the idea that you could stop the guy from campaigning. You might not agree with him, but he should be allowed to go around Kaiseri and talk about, like, you know, I don't know what he'd be talking about at this point, to be honest. But he, he would be, he should, he should be allowed to go put his case to the people. And that's the background on which these committees were formed, which gave MPs judicial power, I will point out. It gave them the power of judges. And Turkey, foundationally, constitutionally, has a separation of powers. Which yeah. means that this, law, this, this idea is illegal, first of all, but it doesn't matter because you can do what you like if you have, you know, if no one stops you, is it really illegal? You know? No. Well, it ain't a crime you, if you don't get caught. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you know, this is, this is kind of like the thing that Julius Caesar did, which is that he just sort of gently pressed against institutions, and when they didn't push back, he was just like, okay, that's cool, I'll just take more then. Yeah, Whereas, it's main though. <laughs> Yeah, whereas here, like, as much as the, the institute, because the institutions are young, there's no, there's no sort of, like, culture in the institutions, right? There's not a long culture of having these kinds of institutions. Easy to press up against, right? But people were made promises, and people don't forget. Unlike Britain, where we forget because of lead poisoning, <laughs> people don't forget. And so people protest. And this was probably the first major, like, public peaceful unrest that was done in the multi-party period, which is, uh, they're, in, in English, they're called, like, the 29th, 28th, 29th uh, April, of April events. Hmm. Uh, and these are university protests, well, primarily organized by university students, and as I recall, a lot of this committee of inquest stuff targeted academia base as it would right yeah of course right because you don't just stop at like mps you don't like or journalists you don't like it keeps going and there is there are these protests and they go on for two days and the main headline is basically people are sort of they're doing the you know the chance you know downward dictators we want freedom that sort of thing right mm. and the thing is the police are you know, policing the students. And I mean policing as an act, right? Yeah. They are coming in, they are beating the shit out of people. They, are, they kill at least two students 
in these you've, protests. You've been policed, as they say. Yeah, you've been policed. That They were literally policed. But what happened was, the army got sent, the army came in. Mm. Being and armied got... is even worse than being policed. This is true. Yeah, but the army came in and actually basically separated the police from the students. And the students actually chanted, long live the Turkish army. And hugged the soldiers. And there wasn't any fighting between the soldiers and the students. Which is interesting because it implies that there's... And this is something that actually kind of comes up in the the aborted or failed coup. Which is that there are different institutional cultures at play, even if both are bad and similar. Mm. They are different. I would, I would say part of it must at least be as well also that it's, it's largely a conscript army, isn't it? So it's going to have a very different attitude than police officers. Yes. So the army is largely conscript. I think my granddad was still in the army at this point. Uh, it would have been around just before my dad was born. So maybe not, actually. But, but yeah, there is a difference. And this is kind of the thing with a conscript army, which is that everyone is, you know, you know you're not going to shoot people who you probably could know. Yeah. Whereas police are like professional police. They're professional enforcers and strike breakers. And look, there are lots of good things, resources about why police suck. Yeah, they're, they're, they're among the worst people in the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the concept of police literally was invented to break strikes, which yeah. is the modern police, obviously. Not, not like Roman prefects walking around. And not the, and pre-modern, look- not the pre-modern police who were invented to uh, capture, recapture slaves. Yeah, well, those were... Sadly, mostly volunteers. Um, it's, it's always, to an extent, just been about keeping labour relations in place. Yes. Order. Yes. Which is why the army being a conscript army matters here. And bear in mind, we're building up to a military coup. So a public show of support from the protesters to the army, to the soldiers, quite possibly emboldened them, right? Gave them the idea that Maybe there's popular support for a coup in this country. Who's to say? Mm, now, bit of, a, bit of a reach, but okay. <laughs> but, but it's a bit of a reach. It's made of political convenience, right? Everything's about political convenience at the end of it, right? Yeah. And you've got to bear in mind, a lot of the army is, you know... It, it, the, so, um, my, my dad did the military service eventually. Lots of my family have done the military service. It's a basic, basically what they do is they just give you propaganda, right? And it's always been the case with conscript armies. They feed you the national propaganda. You do a bit of jogging, you drive a tank, and you smoke a lot of cigarettes. That's it. That's what it is. Like, that's fully what it is, by the way. You, you spend most of your time smoking a cigarette standing by a, a Cold War era obsolete tank. That sounds like fucking heaven, to be honest. Let yeah, me but, do you do, but you do have to exercise. So, Boo. yeah, so it's not all good, but a big component of it that I've heard about from people is that they, they put you through the education, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's a bit like, because the people I know who did it, did it a long time ago. It's a bit like, um, you know, at school when the teacher would get the, the TV out. Oh, yes. We, yeah, it was a bit like that, except it's like Turkish nationalist propaganda. But the conscripts are having that happen to them, right? And they're building an institutional culture. And the people who were in charge of building the institution in the first place are Mustafa Kamal's people, right? Mm. And so his people's people are now rising in the ranks. And his people's people's people are now the junior officers in direct command of the conscripts. And the conscripts themselves are encultured in that as well. 
Yeah, well, because by now, so we're talking about 1960, and conscript age would have been, I think, 17 or 18. So these people would have been, first of all, fully in the sort of Kemalist education system at school. Mm -hmm. And also, same age as the students. Same age as the students, yes. Also, Isma Inonu era is when they grew up. And during the um, early, the bad old days of the um, of the Democrat Party, when things stopped going well, mm. so a lot of interesting things. And anyway, that that was really just me explaining how you build an institutional culture more than anything, and why this culture is the way it is, and why a military might feel like, hey, I can intervene in politics because it's people were the military who intervened in politics. <laughs> it's the original people were the guys who did that. But there's a public, what appears to be a public show of support. Now, the government panics and declares martial law. So, uh, so okay, in April 29th, the protests spread to Ankara. And the protests happened at Ankara, um, Ankara University's law, uh, law faculty. And basically, once again, police, they get policed. And uh, police start shooting at the students. Government panics, declares martial law. And this was the probably the biggest student protest by proportion of students out, um, sort of out protesting in Turkey. Certainly, I, I don't know what proportion of people out in Gezi Park were students. I would suspect a significant number, mm. but we've never actually had a had a number for that. Given given that the estimates for number of people out range from hundreds of thousands to thirteen million, I don't think we um <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to get a handle on that. That's some margin of error. Yeah, look, tech, it's the slate one. It's it depends, I suppose. It's hard to guess, right? You, you at a certain point, it's not like these A to B marches that you get in London where you can kind of count heads, right? Hmm. It's not. It's not like that. So there's actually another set of protests happening, which are known as the five 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 K protests. The reason why it's five 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 K is because it was arranged at five p.m. on the fifth of May, so five 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 in uh, Kuzulai in Ankara. So K is from Kuzulai, which means uh, Red Crescent. It's, na- it's um, named after the Red Crescent itself, actually. Huh. Or the Turkish Red Crescent, which is... Uh, which is... Because, of course, Turkey has to have its own separate Red Crescent from the Red Cross and the Red... The International Red Crescent, because, of course, it does. Right, so yeah. humanitarian organization, is it? Yeah, 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 it's the same, it's the Red Crescent, it's the Red Cross, it's the same thing. It's not anything, it's not, any, for once, it's not anything weird. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, to be fair, there's probably plenty of scandals in it, but, like, on the surface level, it's not anything weird yet. And I think we should, we should take our wins where we can. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is organized by a small group, of, by a group of uh, young people. They come out, uh, basically they organize this purely by word of mouth. And they use 555K as sort of the code, so that if there is an informant, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right? Just, just living in the moment, not a cell phone in sight, love to see it. That's, r- that's right, yeah. <laughs> and so they start marching, they, they lock arms and start uh, marching uh, while, whist- while whistling a... Um, a sort of, you know, I mentioned like a Turkish patriotic song that was about how badly the Ottoman army got owned in a battle, uh-huh. but has somehow become. They were whist- they were whistling the tune to that. Oh, that's that's always good. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's just a patriotic song, you know. And and you know, these are not like communist students or whatever. These are these are the middle eighty percent. I'm I'm obsessed with the term. <laughs> yeah, it's actually quite what... quite an apt descriptor, I would say. It is. Yeah, he's he's accidentally stumbled upon something quite useful. He's just applied it in the way of that warrants tweet where it seems like he shit his pants. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, police had already uh, have been sent to. So they're trying to reach the square. And police have already been sent out, and they're going to go disperse it. And they kind of try and disperse the crowd, but people are still, like, chanting the the march, the patriotic song. And the thing is, so, like, uh, people don't know the geography of Ankara. The, the Grand National Assembly is kind of, not near near, but, like, near enough to Kuzalai that, like, you're, um, you're going to run into the protesters if they get diverted. And so... <laughs> Something quite interesting happened, um, which is that they, um, Jalal Baya, Adnan Menderes, and the Speaker of the Assembly at the time, Refik Koraltan, they are, um, they're, in a, they're in their cars, and they are travelling through, um, they, 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 they hear there's protests, and they go, let's check it out, let's go have a look. Uh, there's this very, very famous instance, so they get to the square, and so begins the long Turkish tradition of whenever a Prime Minister or President or whoever shows up, at an ongoing protest, they get booed aggr- angrily by the crowd. <laughs> yes. And so begins the, the tradition. This might be the first public booing of a sitting prime minister or president of Turkey, actually, now I think about it. And Menderes is... Bear in mind, Menderes is, like, doing this thing, and it's kind of the Erdogan thing, where you start out with this sort of vaguely liberal democratic demeanor, but you realize that, like, in a liberal democracy, you can lose. And losing sucks, so I want to not lose. And so you start doing more and more things. And he's or he's quite the autocrat. Mm. Um, and he actually gets out of his car and starts screaming at the protesters. Oof. And the thing, and the thing about this is Erdogan. Uh, there's a very famous Erdogan incident where he slapped a grieving miner after a coal mine collapse killed like a bunch of people. i he, yeah, so um, there's a place called Soma in Turkey. This happened around the time of the Gezi Park stuff as well, so you've got to imagine everything was piling up at that point. Everything was very tense, everything was piling up. And it was a place, town called Soma, and they have a coal mine there, and the coal mine collapsed, and this happens reasonably often in Turkey, because, and as, as the trade unions in Turkey say, it's not, an, it's not a workplace accident, it's murder. Yeah. And, you know, imagine a trade union saying that in Britain. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway not, not important, not the important thing here. And everyone goes to uh, Soma, and because the thing, the done thing is, the president or prime minister, whoever the executive is, shows up, and you know does the whole like I'm really sorry about what happened, meets some grieving families, you know has to look reasonably sincere. But you got to bear in mind that those protests were had just happened. People and those protests were like specifically about how much people did not like him personally. Oh boy! So there's already an atmosphere of telling it how it is with him. Right? Yeah. So he goes to Soma, and people are furious. Like, they're screaming at him, shouting at him. There's an incident where, so there's like a, there's like, um, he sort of like snaps with someone. It's just not the same incident where he he says lun to someone. And you're not really meant to say lun to someone, really. It's like a, quite a rude thing to say, especially with the president or prime minister saying it to a protester. Mm. And that's not even the worst thing that happened, because he is confronted by a grieving coal miner whose friends have died or are still trapped in the coal mine. And the mm. guy's obviously upset. And he, like, 
tries to put his hands on Erdogan, and Erdogan just slaps him. Oof. Just straight up slaps it. Fuck, man. Or, or at least it's an alleged strike, I should say, is how <laughs> it's described. But, like, he slaps the guy. Now, okay, fine, maybe you shouldn't put your hands on the guy. Maybe you should you know, you shouldn't put your hands on someone I, unless, you know... I, I actually, I'm, I'm strongly in favour of you putting your hands on the fucking guy. Yeah, 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 I, mean, yeah. I just mean generally, right? <laughs> generally, you should not put hands on people who don't want to be touched. Yeah, not I suppose it's feeling. a bit of a Prescott moment. Maybe it's a sort of reflexive thing. But yeah, 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 maybe. Like, I, 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 at least the Prescott moment. Prescott had a sense of humour about it. Yeah. <laughs> Said, uh, Tony told me to go connect with the electorate. Well, I connected <laughs> with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, fair play, you know? <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, and, the weird thing about John Prescott is he just does seem largely sound. <laughs> well, he was quite good in the, in the hated black period that we had to live through. He was actually yeah. quite sound about it all. Which makes me makes me think, and he actually he's to my knowledge the only like senior cabinet level politician from the Blair government who's actually re- openly regretted the Iraq War. Yeah, yeah as, as I say, like he seemed to just be quite sound. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, Mendes is shouting at the front. Oh, imagine sorry, if, he'd th- if he'd thrown that punch at Blair. Oh wow! I mean. You know, the left, the left would be carving them into cliff faces right now. <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine? Anyway, let's 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 imagine this. Adnan Menderes has got out of the car and he's actually shouting. So this is this is uh, reported from the scene. Uh, Are you going to kill me? Come on, kill me! And the protesters apparently chanted back at him, "We're not the, we're not murderers. The government are murderers." <laughs> <laughs> strong, <laughs> strong citizens arrest guy on that. Just coming out of the car. You're gonna murder me. Yeah. What's the crime? <laughs> Enjoying a succulent tyranny? That one, uh, that one guy, put your hands on the car and get ready to die. <laughs> That's a boy. <laughs> oh, it really is Christmas, huh? We're just really fucking around with this. So, eventually, the, the police managed to get Menderes, like, out of the line of sight of the crowd, and they bundle him. In, they bundle him into a uh, bundle him into a vehicle that belongs to um, a, a sort of like an observer of the protests from a newspaper called Hurriyet, uh, which, um, like historically, basically, if you want to think of Hurriyet, it's probably it's kind of like um, a sort of centre right ish, liberal ish newspaper. Uh, it was. It was. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like the small C conservative paper, kind of like the. It's how I would describe the Mirror, although the Mirror would get angry because they'd be like, "Oh, we've um, sounds, we've endorsed Labour." But, sounds you know. kind of like what the the Spectator was in like the mid century before their far far hard right Thatcher right turn. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the kind of the the idea of Hurriyet is to kind of like sit in where the perceived centre of Turkish politics is. Yeah, and to try and provide that perspective as much as possible. That's kind. Of, that's the sort of noble interpretation of the of what the paper does, right? We'll talk about the Turkish newspapers probably uh, in a, in a later episode, but I'm I'm not uh, not convinced that that's strictly the case. Anyway, yeah, it's it, yeah. So they bundle him into the car, and I see you know your judo well. So <laughs> yeah, they, they bundle him into the car, and uh, Menderes is apparently like banging angrily on the inside of the car while this poor um this poor journalist is in the car and has to like 
drive, has to like sort of accelerate through the crowd to get the prime minister out of there before he's like he kills a member of the crowd or something. Oh fuck. And apparent and apparently, so apparently this is an incident. This is I don't believe this is true, but it's worth mentioning because it's part of the mythology. So. Menderes apparently asks during the protest one of the students, he just asks him, what do you want? And so some people say that this is the former Jehepeh leader, Dennis Baikal, or like a, another a person who would go on to become the mayor of Ankara. But like, it doesn't functionally matter who it is. A lot, I, I think people kind of leaned into those rumors that it was them to build political legends. But it doesn't matter who it is because the student grabs the collar of the Prime Minister and just says, we want freedom. And Menderes apparently goes, you're holding on to the collar of the Prime Minister, is there any greater freedom than that? (laughs) (laughs) This is is too perfect, it's too perfect. Mm. I don't think this is true. I don't think that's what was said in those exact tone and terms. More perfect is if he had stuck the nut in immediately after. (laughs) Oh yeah, like... And to, and it, look, this is like this is like the um, this is like a lot of stuff you read about like ancient Roman stuff. It's too perfect, yeah. yeah. But it is part of the mythology, so I do have to talk about it a little bit. So you get this. So I I, I hope I give you a sense that the country is uh, is not doing well. Let's mm. say it's not it's not having a good time. People are upset. The prime minister's getting manhandled in public, not just booed, manhandled. Right, he is getting he is getting manhandled, and the army is tense because you got a conscript army, Kemalist doctrine, and the Marshall Plan money is running out, and so there were rumors there were rumors that uh, Adnan Menderes was perhaps planning to visit a certain country to see whether he could borrow money from them. Ooh, um, would people like to guess as to the country he was planning to visit? Ah, uh, would it be the neighbor to the north, perhaps? It, it, well, it may well have been. And bear in mind that Turkey is in NATO, right? Mm. Now, a NATO country having financial obligations to the Soviet Union, uh, you know, bearing in mind that, that a lot of the military officers, as we've discussed before, were trained by Operation Gladio. They're stay-behind units, right? Uh-huh. And some of you may remember a certain colonel, a young colonel, some might have called him, by the name of Alparslan Turkesh. Oh, God, this guy again. I've had enough yeah. of this guy. I've had <laughs> enough of this guy. I might make that uh, as a meme. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks disturbingly like my granddad, actually. Now, to be clear, my granddad was not Alparslan Turkesh. Just very, <laughs> very fucking clear about that. He just look pictures of him when he's old look a bit like my granddad. Mm. He has the eyebrows. That's the main thing, I think. In fairness, my uh, my granddad looked a, a little less like he'd melted <laughs> by by his age. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I really don't like this cunt. Anyway, he's mm. he's shown up and he so when. The army intervenes, and this is going to happen in Turkey a lot. So it's time to get used to the to the to the order of action that usually happens. The army, the, the junior officers, tell the conscripts or the regular troops, "We're doing a training exercise." Uh-huh. Okay. No, no, this is this is how it works, right? We're doing a training exercise. Cool, great. Okay, uh, we're off. Um, and so, but the training exercise is something quite weird, right? 
So something quite weird is happening, and they go, okay, so it's time for you to, um, it's time for you to go and occupy this radio station, or this TV station, or this bridge, or this main road. We're just, we're just doing a drill, though, just in case an enemy were to attack, we're practicing what we would do in the event that we had to bring order to the, uh, order to the public sphere. That's usually how this plays out. And so they show up uh, at a radio station and one of the leaders of the coup comes up and they do a thing where they go, yeah, everyone, just by the way, the army's taking control to restore peace. So just like everyone chill, stay indoors. Don't, if anyone comes outside, we will murder you immediately. I'm not <laughs> joking. That is pretty much. And in fact, we have the, uh, the speech, of, we have the text, partial text translated of the radio broadcast from Alpas on Turkesh on, the, on May 27th. The great Turkish nation, so they, they always address it like this. To the great Turkish nation, starting at 3 a.m. on the 27th of May, the Turkish armed forces have taken over administration throughout the entire country. This operation, thanks to the close cooperation of all our citizens and security forces, has succeeded without loss of life, which is not strictly true, but as we'll see a bit later in a, in a future episode, but up until now, I guess, and also because they did it at 3 a.m. Until further notice, a curfew has been imposed, exempt only to members of the armed forces. We request our citizens to facilitate the duty of our armed forces and assist in re-establishing the nationally desired democratic regime. Uh-huh. Now, this is something you're going to see happen with these coups, which is that the military coups in Turkey are never to end democracy. They never say that they're ending democracy. Oh, no. no. This, despite Preserve the fact it. that... This, yeah, to preserve democracy. And the one generous interpretation of this is the first time the Turkish go uh, military got involved in politics is to say that this is the first time that the Turkish military explicitly gave itself a political purpose, mm. which is that now it is the guardian of democracy. Right? That's, yeah. that's, what, it, that's what it believes. And it's acted upon it. So now, you've, now that you've done it once, and the thing with doing something once is, it's a lot like when I, uh, I would never use my contactless on my card. Once you did it once, yeah. suddenly... Once you've, once you've broken the seal. Exactly. Yes, yep. Suddenly I'm using contactless up and down at the bar, and I spend 150 quid in a night, you know. Oh, good lord. There's, uh, there's even a sort of... So the, so the leader of the coup, or the, the person who will eventually become the president of Turkey after the coup, is a gentleman called Jamal Grussel. And his, he comes out and says, look, I want to be very clear. The purpose and the aim of the coup is to bring the country with all speed to a fair, clean, and secure democracy. I want to transfer power and administration of the nation to the free choice of the people. Bearing in mind that as far as we're aware, the free choice of the people was the Democrat Party. Uh -huh. You might not have liked that it was the Democrat Party, but they did vote for him. <laughs> oh. Now, some... Now, there, there's, some in, there's, there's even some, like, sort of, like, detail and sort of resolution needed in the, within the coup, within the officers leading the coup. Because some of them, especially, like, the younger ones, tended to support a sort of... They didn't want to transition back to democracy. They wanted a sort of permanent caretakership if you will, a kind of, uh, you know, they wanted um, Mustafa Kemal, but without the, the move towards democracy. Or maybe they even wanted to keep the parliament, but just have it be one party and a military-approved list. 
basically the military officers were given absolute power, basically. Within, you know, they were checked by superiors, but basically as long as the superior didn't check on their work, they were allowed to do what they liked. Oh, and boy. the thing is that there are officers within the Hunter that's formed who do sincerely believe, look, we're just temporarily correcting it and we're only going to do this once. We are never do. We're going to correct it once, and we're never going to have to do it again. Are we clear? And obviously, we know how that turned out. But nonetheless, there were some idiots there. But <laughs> but some of these young officers attempted to use their sort of delegated authority to to basically get university lecturers fired because they thought they were communists. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And what happened was that these officers who were intent on moving back to a democracy basically went to the senior officers and said, look, like, we said we're going back to democracy. We can't just fire university lecturers because Alpaslan Turkesh, a guy who, by the way, was put on trial for being too racist in the 40s, even though it was a show trial, but that was what happened. Um, like, it says they're bad. And so his group were basically, um, Turkesh and his sort of cabal were just told by the military, okay, we're just going to send you to West Germany for a bit, you know, I think it was West Germany. It was somewhere like that. Basically, they were sent to all sorts of countries. They were like, look, it's time to, time to go. You know, get going. Go, go abroad for a bit. Calm down. We're not going to fire anyone. But they do a purge. They do actually do a purge. And they do fire university lecturers. And they do, uh, and they do purge the military, actually, as well, of some people. Just, to, just in case you think that, like, oh, this is, they've definitely left behind the Vardlikvergesi, the wealth tax stuff. Well, it turns out uh, they detained hundreds of Kurdish Alevi people in a camp. Motherfuckers. And a lot of them were affiliated with the Democrat Party, which was probably a convenient excuse, and a lot were Kurdish members of the parliament uh, and, who, who were just deported to the west of Turkey. And, and this happens after they appoint the, the general, Jamal Grusel, as president, prime minister, and defense minister all at once. And why not? You know, if he's good at it, why not just say, you know, give him all the jobs? Yes, that's it. Now, we're going to have to, like, pause it there for now. Uh, you, now, there is something very important that we are going to talk about in a little bit called the Yasada trials, which is one of the most interesting trials that you're going to get in Turkey because the former prime minister is put on trial for high treason. Boy. So that's what we're going to be kicking off with next year, in case you thought we were going to be taking it easy in 2023. <laughs> it's, it, we're back. It's going, to be, it's going to be a real fucking wild ride. The Asada trials are... They're something. Let's put it that way. They're definitely something, and you're definitely going to want to, want to check that out next year. But in the meantime, for those of you who are not over on the Patreon, which you should be, yep. but if you're not, uh, that's Very us. reasonably priced. Very reasonably priced. Indeed. That is that is also us for the year. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna well, we're not gonna go record the bonus because we recorded it before. Oh, I guess I revealed that then. <laughs> but we're gonna go actually have a normal life for a bit, I guess, yeah. for once. Well. After and we're and we're gonna and we're gonna have a break for a bit. So this episode will be out the week before Christmas. Bonus is out the week of Christmas. We're taking a couple weeks off from releases, and we'll be back the. On the 11th, uh, not September 11th, January 11th, just to be very clear yeah. about that. Yeah. 
Um, just in case that wasn't clear, I wasn't doing a 9-11 thing <laughs> until I made it about 9-11, I guess. Okay. Flawless. Perfect. Nailed it. Oh, by the way, our music's by Jordan. I didn't mention that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had him, we had him on uh, Praxis Cast last night, and he twisted about not getting credit for the fucking music again. Oh. I don't know who he thinks he is, quite frankly. Oh, God. Donna, man. Who, who does he think he is? I think he's Jordan, the guy who does the music for Peace at Home. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, everyone, that's us for 2022. We'll see you in 2023. Or in the bonus if you're coming over to that. Yeah. See you, everyone. Have a Cheer Merry up. Christmas. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a seasonal holly bobs or whatever it is. <laughs> Winterval. <laughs> oh, no, don't. All right, we've got to go. See ya. See ya.